So a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago, I was climbing Mount Sinai. This was the second time that I got to climb Mount Sinai, but the first time wasn't really the experience that the second time was because I was with a bunch of college friends and their goal was to get to the mountain first. And so I was in a group where they were just saying, this is what we're doing, we're just getting up to the mountain top first, okay, are you in? So we were all in and that was our goal. So needless to say, I actually missed a lot of the, just thinking about what this is about until we got to the top, where this time was different. I wasn't with a bunch of college friends. I was climbing the mountain and I actually thought about every single step I took. What if Moses stepped right here? Like exactly in this spot. And then as I was going through, that's what I thought. What if he was standing right here and maybe the burning bush was over here and Elijah was there too. So I was thinking of all of those things and what it would have been like to be there. When we got to the top, I just, the only feeling that I could think of was awe because it was windy and you just exposed to the elements. And yet, I knew that this is where God came to meet with Israel. And just the thought, the imagination of what that would have been like was so incredible for me. But I know that even in my wildest imagination, it can't even compare to what actually happened when God came down to meet with the people. But that's what this passage is about today. We're gonna to be looking at what it looked like and what the reaction of the people was. How would you react if God came down on the mountain, you were right there? Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 19. I wanna invite you to turn there because there are certain things that I want you to see as we go through. So chapter 19, Begins with verse one, and it says, in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They have been traveling for a couple months now. And they are going through what I call the school of Yahweh. Because until this point, they hadn't really spent time with God. They were kind of pushing him aside in Egypt because they had more important things to worry about, like being slaves. But now they couldn't avoid the fact that God was going through everything and he was showing them who he was. And so it was a crash course. And they see him deliver them from the Egyptians. They see him deliver them from the Amalekites. And then he provides water and food and cloud and fire and whatever it is that they need, he gives them. But if there is one thing that the Israelites are good at, it's complaining. And wherever they go, you know without fail, they will do it. But the amazing thing about God is that he is so gracious, and despite of their complaining, he takes them where they are and he keeps moving them, keeps going with them, taking them places. And now they come to Mount Sinai and God invites Moses to go up. You know the last time that Moses was on Mount Sinai? 
when the burning bush, God was speaking to him, telling him one day you will come back here and you all will worship in front of this mountain. Can you imagine now he's going up and he's thinking of that time when God was speaking to him, it's already here. He has already taken us out. His promises are true. So he takes him to the mountain and he tells him, this is what I want you to tell the people. I'm reading in verse four. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. I love that image where God is saying that I bore you on eagles' wings. I carried you through on eagles' wings. When I was younger, I, heard, I had heard the story that supposedly a mother would kind of throw off the eaglet off of its nest, and then the eagle would come up, and as he was fluttering, the eagle would pick it up and take it up. Well, I came to find out as I was researching this that that is not true. Eagles actually don't do that. So I had that picture in my mind, but it doesn't matter if that picture is true or not. It is still amazing that God is picturing himself as an eagle that's just taking us through the winds. I watched a little video on YouTube of a little eaglet learning how to fly. And this little eaglet just suddenly jumps off and then the wind just takes it and goes and then doesn't know how to you know, regain composure and then it finally does and it figures out how to fly and then this Contrast between the mother and this little eaglet is just amazing because the mother is just there, like this. I mean, just not barely moving. And I just thought, what an amazing picture that God uses here to show us who he is. No matter the winds that come in the way, he is that eagle that takes us smoothly through. And then he says this. I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And I, as I read this, I thought, what does that even mean? What is God saying here? And then I realized he's saying exactly what it's saying. That yes, he was going towards, he was taking them towards the promised land. But that was not his main goal, to take them to the promised land. His main goal was to bring them to himself. That's why he was taking them through the wilderness so they would be separated from everything else so they had time to learn about God, to spend time with him, to get to know him. This was their opportunity to get to know the God of the universe. And then he continues in verse five, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, the word there for keep can also be translated as treasure, my covenant, and covenant is really a relationship between God and the people. So he's saying, if you treasure our relationship, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, to all the, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And they wouldn't, weren't exactly holy, were they? But God calls them that because he says with me, this is who you are. This is how I see you. Now Moses comes back down. He tells the people this. He calls the elders together. And what do they say? I'm in verse 8. They say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. 
do they? No, not exactly. We know that a few chapters later, they're at the golden calf, worshiping the golden calf. But once again, God takes them where they are because these are the right words. So he's going to bring them and he takes this and he says to Moses, all right, fine, okay, this is what we're going to do. And now in the next verses, he describes what he wants them to do. So in verse 10, he says, I want you to tell the people to consecrate themselves today and tomorrow for two days. Let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for that third day. They were to prepare themselves to meet God. Why two days? Well, because these guys didn't even know what it meant to worship God. The only thing they knew was idol worship. They didn't know what it was like to approach a holy God. And so God says, prepare your hearts. It is different when you worship me. Because worship, worshiping God is about joy and reverence mixed together. But all they knew was just some frenzy jumping around and dancing and going crazy in front of an idol. And he says, that is not worshiping God. So I want you to come to me humbly and search your hearts, search your lives. Think about what it is like and what it is like to meet me. And then he says, now on that third day, I will come down on Mount Sinai. And now I want you to pay attention to verses 12 and 13. And I want you to actually pay attention to exactly what it says and how it's written. It says, you shall set bounds for the people all around. So he's telling Moses, you are going to go down and tell the people you are going to put a boundary or a fence around the mountain so people cannot come into, up the mountain. And then he explains this. I'm going to first read to you the way my version reads it, the, the New King James Version, which is also what Rebecca read, the same version. And then I will tell you what I discovered about this. So it says this, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So when I was looking at this passage, I have a Hebrew Bible or an online program that has the Hebrew Bible, and I went through every single word, and I, I do that for every single sermon because I want to know what words are found there. But as I was going through this, I was confused because when I read the Hebrew version of this, this phrase where in English it's translated as take heed to yourselves that you do not go up the mountain or touch its base, I realized that the word not is not in the Hebrew. So it doesn't say do not go up to the mountain. It says, if you translate it literally, it, would, it will sound like broken English, take heed to yourselves, Allah, go up the mountain or touch it. So you could translate it as take heed to yourselves when you go up the mountain or touch its base. So what does that mean? Okay, and then when you keep going, 
All the way at the end, it says, when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. All of the translations will tell you near or come to the mountain. There's only one that has it correct. That's the NRSV, and it says, when the trumpet sounds long, they may go up the mountain. So what does this mean now? I actually contacted Dr. Davidson, Dr. Richard Davidson from Andrews University, because I wanted to know more about this. I said, have you written something about this? Because I'm confused here. I don't know what this is saying. Because how can God be saying, come to me. I have brought you to myself. But now I'm going to put a boundary here and you cannot come to me. I don't understand this. What is this? So he sent me an article that he wrote. And he said that there's another scholar, other scholars who have found out and who have noticed this exact same thing. That it doesn't say, do not come up the mountain. But in fact, it should say, take heed to yourself when you go up the mountain. And we know this, this is supported in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 5. If you want to go there and check it out. Chapter 5, verse 5. Deuteronomy says, Moses says, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain. It doesn't say you didn't go up to the mountain. It says you did not go up the mountain. And every single translation has that the same way. So what is going on here? Well, you could argue in the grammar that it, could, it would say do not because of the context, but it doesn't really make sense in the context. Because what God is saying is that when the trumpet sounds, then you can come up the mountain. Just like the 70 elders go up the mountain later. And just like Moses had been this whole time. Because he wanted to meet them on the mountain. But for the two days, they were not to go up. Because he was telling them, I don't want you to just do whatever you want, whenever you want. That is not reverence either. So on the third day, they were then when the trumpet sounded to go up. Now what happens? It says, Moses goes down. He sanctifies the people. They wash their clothes. And the third day comes. I imagine that if I was an Israelite, Israelite in a tent, as I was waking up that morning, I would have been waking up to a sound of just low rumble. And if I walked out of the tent, it was dark, a thick cloud, I would see this thick fog. And once in a while, it would light up with lightning. Because that's what it says, that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of a trumpet now comes, was very loud. So that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And now Moses comes up to them and it says he brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. He says, come, it is time for you to go up the mountain to meet God. And what do they do? The end of verse 17, it says, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. And they stay there. 
It continues with the description that Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled. I used to think, and I actually wrote an article on this last year, that the reason why God comes down in this spectacular manner is in order to get their attention so that before he's giving them the Ten Commandments, he would show them, hey, this is important. But as I study this, I realized that I was wrong. This is not about a show. God is not putting some show on. This is who God is. He comes down like this because that's who he is. That's how powerful he actually is. And he has to shroud it in the cloud because it is so strong that if they actually saw it, it would have killed them. Then it says that Moses spoke to God and God answered him and the people heard it. And then God calls to Moses and he says, come up, Moses. And now Moses, now God gives him more instructions because he says, you need to go back down and tell the people that to not come up anymore because these people have not consecrated themselves. They did not get ready to meet me because when I came down, look at what they did. They didn't go up. They stayed at the foot of the mountain. They were not actually ready to come talk to me. And he says, make sure that they stay down there. But because God is such a gracious God, he continues to work with them. And he says, all right, Moses, go back down. And now he speaks the Ten Commandments in the hearing of all the people. He speaks one after the other. Pastor Gaspar will speak about the Ten Commandments last week, but there is something I want you to notice. We need to finish the story, and it is at the end, at, well, right close to the end of chapter 20, right after the Ten Commandments in verse 18. It says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood, where? Afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak to us, Moses. We don't want God to talk to us. You need to be the one who does it. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. And now he repeats it again. So the people stood afar off. Do you notice the progression? God says, I want to meet with the people. This is why I have brought them here, so that they can get to know me. I want to be with them. He invites them to go up the mountain, and then when everything happens and they're invited to go up the mountain, they come to the foot of the mountain and they stay there. And then as God continues to speak and they hear his voice, they move back and back and back and back until it says that they were far away. 
And they say, Moses, you go do it. You go talk to God. But I don't want you to miss this next line. It says, so the people stood afar off, but Moses. If I were to give this sermon another name and not God comes down, I would call it, but Moses. Because listen to this, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. While they moved back and back and back, Moses goes forward and up and up and up to where God is. Because he knows something that unfortunately the rest of them have missed. That there is nothing better than to be in the presence of God. As I was studying this story, I felt sad for God. My heart was breaking for how much God wanted to meet with his people and how they rejected him and just moved back instead of forward. But then I was thinking about me and how many times do I move back instead of forward? And this is why I love the but Moses, because I want to be like Moses. I want to move forward. I don't want to move back. I want to answer this invitation of God to come to me and to go up whenever he says to come up. And by the way, Moses was just as scared as they were. In Hebrews, it says, that he spoke, he exclaimed, I am so afraid, I am trembling. But he went anyways, because it is not about the feeling. I cannot go based on feelings. If it's all about, if I'm only going to spend time with God when I feel like it, then I will never do it. I cannot go based on just when I feel like it. I have to go because I know that that's the best place to be. And that's why Moses goes. God gives every single one of us that same invitation today. He says, I have come to bring you to myself. So are we going to be like the people? Or are we going to do a Moses and draw near the thick darkness where God is? I know what I want to do. I want to draw near. And if you want to do the same thing, what I'm going to do is something a little bit different. I'm going to pray for all of us. And in the middle of the prayer, I give you the, the invitation to raise your hand if you want to say, Lord, I also 
want to be like Moses. And notice, I'm saying I want to be like Moses, not that I'm going to be like Moses because we know what happened with the people, right? They said, we will do this. Because they said it themselves. We can't do it on our own. We need God to help us. I want to be like Moses, but I know that I need God's help. So I'm going to invite you during the prayer to raise your hand if you want to say, I want to be like Moses. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning we have heard the story of the Israelites and how you came down because you want to be with us. You constantly keep inviting us to you. And you've made it easy on us. All we need to do is open up your word or listen to it. And yet, it sometimes seems like it is the last thing that we feel like doing. And so I pray that you change that in us, Lord. So right now, as we raise our hands to you, I pray for every single raised hand. Lord, help us to be more like Moses, to draw near to you, to want to come to you. Lord, work in our hearts, in our minds, in who we are, so that our greatest desire is to draw near. I pray this in your name, amen.